Mentality Monsters are going to use the word with the orange well rugby done. team. Someone press that arm. Take it off, Liverpool. <laughs> let's take it off, the Reds. And let's attach it to the Orlin rugby team. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Speaking of hope, what should our hopes be for the Irish rugby team? I'm delighted to say Matt Williams is with us. Matt, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Joe. Very good, thank you. Uh, I, I think if you've heard the last 60 seconds, you're, you're um, aware that we're, we're prone sometimes to getting carried away on this programme about our hopes. Um, but for the first time in a long time, maybe the right thing to do is to lean into our hopes and belief. With this Irish rugby team in particular, the style of play is the thing that gives us the, the most comfort and most excitement. Well, it's fantastic to watch. It's just been an amazing two years, really. Uh, probably a bit less. Probably probably eighteen months, to be fair. Since the the, the England game two years ago during COVID at the Aviva, we saw a, a glimmer of change, and, and Ireland won that day, and probably saved uh, Eddie Farrell's career. And across that summer, there was some form of epiphany within the coaching staff brought Paul O'Connell in and they started playing uh, a type of rugby that is modelled on Leinster that I fully support. I don't say that at, at, to, to give Leinster credit. I'd say it because it it's a, become a national philosophy. We saw the under-20s win a Grand Slam on Sunday playing the same style of rugby. If you watch the the, uh, the, the schools, the looting schools play, that's playing the same grand, uh, brand of rugby. So we've got this philosophy of how to play the game that's starting at schools and juniors, moving through our academies, our under-20s, our, our provinces are playing very similar with Leinster looting the way on that and our national team is doing it. It's sexy, it's, it's entertaining, it's great to watch. It must be a joy to play because you can see the smile on the guys' faces and it's winning rugby. Uh, it, it, it is fantastic. And, and in your hope, and I, I share your hope, for this World Cup more than any other that I've been involved with in Ireland for the last quarter of a century because they've done the preparation 18 months out. They have done the preparation. They've got a, they've got depth in their squad. Uh, Farrell has been brave enough to blood players uh, when other players are injured, with, and those players have really stepped up to the mark, and, and they've beaten everyone. They're, so this isn't based on hope. So, I, you know, Bob, Bob Hope, my father used to say, you know, that's Bob Hope's brother, which is no hope. You know, you, you can't base a plan on hope. You've got to base it on evidence. And the evidence we've got is overwhelming. They've beaten everyone. They've beaten Australia. They've beaten New Zealand, South Africa. And they've beaten all the Six Nations teams, beaten Argentina. So everyone that we, we will face uh, at the World Cup, they've beaten in the last 18 months. That That is um, a, a really a plan based on really solid foundations. Um, you, you bring up the, the Leinster importance here, right? And I just, I just want to tease this out a little bit because there's been a bit of a, a backlash um, from various people suggesting that we need more representation from other provinces on the team for the team to fully land with the um, with the fan base. Uh, I think, uh, okay, f- if people feel how they feel, right? That's the first thing. And so you're entitled to feel whatever you think. I do think that there's a, a rationale behind it when you consider that uh, Leinster went and first got Graham Henry to come and have a look at their coaching setup, and then they got uh, Stuart Lancaster in. At the same time, Munster, through the auspices of the IRFU, decided that they were going to go the South African route, 
which has no bearing on, on how we play at international level. And so if there's a disconnect between the number of players coming through at Munster, uh, I, would, I would argue that it's a direct result because they had their coaching ticket wrong. They've improved things. More players are coming through. More players look like they'll be able to make the step up. I've, I've over, vastly oversimplified it for the sake of uh, brevity this morning. But is there something in that that actually Munster went, got a bit lost with, their, with the, the leader of their organisation and now they found they're finding their way back, so we should expect more Munster players to be ready to play for Ireland over the next few years. I think there is uh, validity to your argument, Joe. Yeah, and I must have were lost, uh, for sure. There's no two ways about that. And they were playing a brand of rugby that wasn't linked to the national team, uh, in my opinion. Uh, look, the national team is a meritocracy 100%. When you start looking at where people... Uh, playing their provincial rugby, and, and that influences your decisions, you will fail and fail spectacularly. It, it, it cannot come, it cannot be a discussion. So, so for example, Jamison Gibson Park and James Lowe, uh, born in, New, in, and born in New Zealand, did their rugby training in New Zealand. They're, they're qualified by uh, the residency rule. Now, we can argue against the residency rule. I, I, it's something I don't like. But it's there, and they are picking them. That, that's got to be selected on who, on who, on how they're playing, not who they are. So I completely reject that. My answer to Munster and everyone else, all Leinster. Remember, this is going to turn. This is going to turn in a few years. Leinster will not stay where they are. They just can't. It's just that sport. You don't have a dynasty that lasts a hundred years. They all, they all come up and down. When Leo goes, we don't know what's going to happen uh, after that. But the academy system and the school system at Leinster is just pumping out really high-quality kids. You could see that on the weekend in the under-20s. That was dominated by kids, uh, by young men coming from Leinster. So, you know, the, the, to me, the challenge is up to the other provinces. Lift your gun, get your act together, produce great players, play great rugby, and you'll get picked. It's simple. It's a meritocracy. And until they do that, you pick the best players. And until like, like we, then we've got to spin this back a bit. Um, if, if to get to some really it's, – it's, it's a painful conversation for Munster and the other provinces. I understand it. And I get accused of being biased because I coached Leinster. I also coached Ulster and I coached Island A. And at Island A, we were from everywhere. So I, I, all I want to see is Island win. That's it. That's my motivation. I want to see Island win. Leinster are at the top of Europe. Now, people, they got beaten in the final. They did. But they're at the top of Europe and constantly at the top of Europe with 21 of their 23 players – in Europe being born in the province. Now, there is no other organisation on the planet doing that, right? There's no one else. It's an astonishing uh, achievement of what Leicester are doing to be at the top of their of their uh, international competition, like this, like Super Rugby, with, with all those players, that number of players born in your province. There's no one in Australia doing it, uh, and there's no one in New Zealand doing it because they mix their provinces up. They have a, a almost a draft system. Now, the fact that Leicester are doing that tells you they're doing something right. They're, they're, the style of rugby is unique. It's entertaining. It's brilliant. And, and Farrell, to his undying credit, has said, I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that. I'm going to adopt that style. And even adopting the plays, adopting the calls. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is really smart coaching. And what have we seen since that time? We've just seen nothing but great success. Nothing but great success. So anyone that, that gets in there and says, oh, well, I'm disappointed there's not enough Connor or Ulster or Munster boys in there, you know, if we follow that that thinking, we'll fail, 
And do you want Ireland to fail because of that? We're Irish. You're not Munster. Once the green jersey comes on, the provinces dissolve. And, and that's the way you've got to look at it. I've got one last one on this before we um, move on. Um, the the one of the counter one of the it's not even a counter argument. One of the the points that gets made is that um, Leinster and the IRFU. I think Gordon Darcy said that they were um, the schools uh, have uh, Leinster and the IRFU have no real influence over the schools because the schools funding comes from parents of the schools and the schools themselves in Leinster, and that's the main bulk supplier for. Uh, the Leinster Academy and obviously Leinster are doing great work to try and broaden the players who come through the academy and they're doing much better at that. Uh, is there a case for the IRFU funding schools in Connacht and Ulster and in Munster to a similar level to what the schools are being funded? I guess if we if we think that that pathway is working and it clearly is as you point out in Leinster to model that again to interfere in the process a little bit in Munster and Connacht to try and get those schools to a similar level of funding, which is obviously very difficult because, you know, those schools don't really uh, reveal exactly how much money they have. But certainly, you, you, you know, you could take a fairly educated guess about how many coaches they have, how many certain condition people they have, what access they have to facilities and all that kind of stuff and say, OK, we're going to make four schools in Munster be the same and two schools in Connacht be the same. And we're just going to fund those directly and like uh, hope that we get the payback in years to come. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think we, if, if we address one, the first issue, everyone in Ireland thinks that it's unique, you know, the school system here. It's not. It's exactly the same in Australia. It's exactly the same in New Zealand. New Zealand's worse. New Zealand, the schoolboy competitions fund everything, and they put out scholarships. They bring kids in from the Polynesian Islands. That, you know, like it, it, to, to think that this school system here is unique is wrong. South Africa is the, almost identical. The only place that I know of that doesn't have it of the leading countries is France, where there's no sport in schools. It's totally driven by the clubs. So it is not a unique system. A, B, uh, yes, by all means, funded. But, the, the, you know, if you go to a principal and, and say, oh, we're the IRFU, uh, we want to give you money for your rugby program, quite often the principals will say, we're independent, we don't want anything to do with you. And I have seen that firsthand in Australia, and I've seen it firsthand in Ireland. Um, that comes from a drive and determination of the leadership in the school. If it was accepted, absolutely give the give the schools as much as they want, as much as they'll take. Give them, and and here is what you give them: you give them education, you give them, you educate their coaches, you supply coaches, you edu- educate their strength and conditioning staff, give them equipment, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, a hundred percent. But again. Um, the bubble that is Irish rugby, you, you know, you're in you're in uh, fantasy land thinking that the the school system in Ireland is unique. It is not, and think that the money in the school system in Ireland is unique. It is not. It is exactly the same in Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand because I've been in those systems and seen it firsthand. But let me put one more thing. It is a fabulous system. So now we've got some. Here's the other thing, Joe. I think with, that we've we've left out. There is competition. And Andy Farrell has made competition within that squad. But now you've got competition within the provinces. And the, if the other provinces are feeling left out and behind, what do you do? You get off your backside and you start working to beat Leinster. So that's what we've got to have in competition. We've got to have that competition in the schools as well. The other schools, province, provincial schools are behind, get your act together, start working, get competitive and go for it. And look for funding. If that's what you need, absolutely. Take it. Search for it. I used to only wear a tie when I was coaching. 
when I was after funding. I put a coat and tie on and I go after funding. Money is the root of all evil and the base of all progress. So if you have to get money to get forward, get off your ass and go and get it. But that's not the, to me, that's not the answer right now. It, it may be in certain schools. The answer is the technical and tactical aspect of what's being coached in the provinces outside of Leinster. And that, that it, to me, is, is the core area of, of where they're behind. Matt, I just have two questions, it, both sort of leading into the World Cup, particularly and, and around that tactical and, and technical side as well. Uh, post Six Nations and obviously the conversation has starts to turn about how uh, we're going to win the World Cup. Uh, the subtleties of, of the game plan that we've had over the course of Six Nations and the execution of it, the little delayed passes, the use of the blind side, all those little things that countries from around the world are going to be looking at now and jotting that the best coach is going to be jotting those down. Um, can we refresh that playbook? Is that, our, is that the game plan now that comes into the World Cup or how concerned would you be about how much of our hand we've shown? Um, I don't think there's anyone around the world that's um, playing the two of, two of clubs at the moment. Everyone's playing, playing their best hand. Um, I wouldn't be that concerned because the, the beauty of this team uh, and the, what, the way Farrell's done this and particularly in bringing in Paul O'Connell is they can maul very well. They've got a great kicking game. They've got a, a very, <clears throat> very good um, uh, kicking percentage for penalties. They Their set play is, is absolutely top shelf. They can score from set plays and they can vary their attack so much that you, you really don't know what they're going to do. Like you can't guarantee. So they went back on the short side there. They did that for a reason because they saw a weakness in the English defence. So if you watch the English defence, I'll come back a bit. The theory on hitting England midfield and going back to short side has been around for 30 years, right? That that has always – because England want to take you on. They want a pitch battle, right? So don't give – give you and the number one, number one philosophy on tactics, give the opposition what they don't want. What do they want us to do? Well, let's not do that. Let's, what, do they want, what do they not want us to do? England never want you to come at them down the short side. They just don't because their defensive system – and this year, if you watch the first tackle – Four players go around, keep going. We, we, we call it on the keep go around the same way. So they're short on the blind side the whole time. Jamie George was, has been left on the blind side the whole tournament. They got their, their defensive system has been shocking all tournament, and they've been offside all tournament, I might add, and they were offside again on, on uh, Saturday night and weren't penalised. So Ireland came back to short side on Saturday because they saw a weakness in the opposition. Ireland, Sheehan's first try. They score that because they saw a weakness in the set play defence. So that what Ireland are doing is really smart. They're, they're identifying weaknesses and then they're going after them. What do they do against France from the from the restart? They did that beautiful move. They they saw a hole in the French defensive system off tackle one, off a dropout. Like it's so smart, Adrian. Like you know, you just gotta you just gotta applaud them. You, you know, you look back and go, wow, why did they do that? And then when we go back after they do it and you see why they did it, you just go, really smart play. Mm. So they'll have some – and, and, and here, we, here we have to put it. Every defensive system ever invented, ever practised has a weakness. There's no perfect defensive system. So why are they playing – let's come back. Why are they playing the way they're playing? Because they're getting really fast ball, really LQB, they call it, lightning quick ball. You get it at a ruck. You get your ruck speed down around a second, second and a half. Defences, rushing defence can't cope with that. It's not organised. Can't get back and forward fast enough. So why they're playing this really helter-skelter 
it seems top of game, and it's not Hilda Skilder, but a really rapid pace game, is to stop rushing defences. England play a rushing defence. England couldn't get their, their defence going well enough to do it. So that's the reason they're playing at this pace. So why France playing at pace? Why New Zealand, Australia, and now Argentina? Why are they all trying to play this high-pace game? Because defensive systems can't cope with the pace. So I, I, I would counter what you're saying, um, um, which is a very valid argument, a very valid argument. I'm not dismissing the argument. But the counter-argument is you, you don't know what tactic we're going to play on any given day. You don't know how we're going to do this. You don't know where we're going to attack. So we, we, again, give me give me some proof. Okay, roll back. They did the they did their work on Vandermeer. That he's a he's an emu, not an eagle. What do I mean by that? He's fast on the ground, but he can't fly. Emus can't fly. So when they they came on, as soon as Jamison Gibson Park came on, they had a box kick, and they box kicked right on to Vandermeer in the corner near the try line. It was a plan because. We, 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 our winger was in place. Mac Hansen was in place to chase that ball. He should have been out in the open side off a line out. He wasn't. He was on the blind side. Hansen goes through. They know Vandermeer doesn't jump or can't jump for the ball and catch. He stays on the ground. What did what did what did he do? Hansen's about five inches shorter. Mm. He just jumps up, taps the ball back. Five phases later, we score a try. That's how smart they are. So. You know, I, I and, and let me come back another part. There is zero guarantees we're going to win the World Cup. They're in the shockingly hard half of the pool. The pool is the, the World Cup draw is ridiculously biased, and Ireland are on the tough side with South Africa, New Zealand, and France. If I got my Australian hat on, Australians have got they've got such an easy path to a semi final. They've got Wales in their pool, England and Argentina on the other side. So they're they're quarter final. If they can win their pool. Their quarterfinals is much, much easier than anything Ireland are going to produce to get to a semi-final. Now, once they get to a semi-final, it's a different kettle of fish. But Ireland, to make the semi-final, have a far harder path. So we haven't got any guarantees at the World Cup. But this is the most prepared, the best prepared Irish side in World Cup history. This is the best opportunity Ireland have as far as team preparation goes. And we're not basing this on hope like on past World Cups. I was actually saying the opposite. People didn't like me saying it. You've got no chance, guys. I was telling you last week, you've got no chance. You're not anywhere near it. Oh, no, we got Joe. We got this. We got that. And you just you just wasn't. You weren't prepared. World Cups are one 18 months out. And Ireland have got themselves uh, uh, now nine months out. But the Ireland started this 18 months ago. That's when this World Cup preparation really gets me excited. No guarantees but they got a really, really good shot. And that is based on evidence, not on just hope. What were the warning signs 18 months out the last time or, or in the build-up to the last one that you were spotting, Matt, that um, that made for uncomfortable listening to Irish people in the build-up four years ago? Uh, and eight years ago too, Drew, and 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> want to go back to 87? I talk to Willie Anderson about it all the time. Look, every World Cup, um, I, I think the Six Nations and has a lot to do with it. There is that much pressure to win the Six Nations that they, they just don't blood people. Um, Joe took a tour group to Australia and they won the series and they, they put far too much emphasis on winning the series and not enough emphasis on developing players. Um, you know, I, I was I was working with Ian Madigan um, a couple of weeks ago, just a gentleman, lovely guy, fantastic rugby player. And when Ian came on at the, the the World Cup, 
uh, when Johnny Sexton got injured two World Cups ago. It's a, it's a fabulous football. But he hadn't been given enough opportunities in a green jersey to be prepared for that, completely prepared for what was thrown at him. Paul O'Connell was injured. We hadn't prepared our, our backup players with enough time to be, to be ready. So the, the theory on World Cups is, you know, everyone in your squad has to have around 20 caps or between 20 and 30 caps if, if you, you know, you need that experience. It, the, the, the feeling is you're not comfortable at a national level till around your 10th to 15th cap. You, you know, the pace of the game is so different. The crowd is so much bigger. The noise, you can't communicate. There's all these other things. The build-up, the, the, everything is different coming from provincial rugby, um, with the possible exception of playing in Heineken Cup finals. So, uh, and again, this, this is what Ireland didn't do. What have they done this time? What has Farrell done this time? He's taken the development team to New Zealand. He's take, sent development teams to South Africa. He's invited New Zealand over. And at times they've copped a, uh, a hiding. And that's what you've got to do with development teams. But it gives players opportunities uh, to fail and to learn. He's then, when, when this Six Nations forced upon them in some ways, you've had Sexton out, you've had Furlong out, Burns been out, uh, Henshaw's been out, uh, Bundy was out for a while. So we've had to rely on on, on another group of, of players who have been magnificent and have delivered. So all of a sudden we've got depth charts, as we call it, in each position, where if Tom O'Toole comes on, before we would have been, oh, gee, can, can this guy do it? And and Tom would be saying in his own head, because he's a human being, I don't know if I can do it. Tom O'Toole's back at his home tonight with his self-belief, knowing if I get that opportunity at the World Cup, I know I'm ready. I'm now. What's Tom saying? I'm after Finley Boolam. I want Finley Boolam's place on the bench. We've got competition for each in each position. So all those factors have never been done in the past. And the second part is, Jer, they're playing a style of rugby that's successful. The day England beat Ireland in the first game at the Aviva in 2019, we were finished. And I said it at the time, we were finished. People had figured us out because. It, rushing defence, slow ruck ball brought rushing defence into play. And that day, England rushed us off the park and we were rushed off the park for the rest of the year. So defence was dominating. That is not the case at the moment. So, And that the tactics that are successful at schoolboy and provincial are now successful at international level. New Zealand, France and, and Australia and Argentina are copying those tactics and they're having great well, relative success with them. France... France in particular scare me, right? France are the one that they 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 scare me. They're 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 playing. I, I, I don't know if we've got time, but they, they overtrained Galtier overtrained France for the first six weeks of the, of the Six Nations. That was pretty much known that he didn't taper for any game up to the Scotland game. That he pushed them at training, made them tired, wanted them fatigued going into games to test their mentality. After the Scotland game, they've rested, they've had some drinks, they've had a fun time. And look what they've done. They have been unbelievable, unbelievable in uh, Twickenham and unbelievable again in, Par- in Paris. The, the, the two of the tries against, against the uh, Welsh will go down as pretty much all-time classics. They're the ones that are going to be brought out 20 years in the, in the future. They are just staggering tries. And, and the one at the Aviva. France scare the, scare the daylights out of me. I, I, I've got a lot of confidence about everyone else, but France in France. France are going to be at home for a year. <laughs> How good's that? They got every game at home for a year now. Like it, they are a great side, but Ireland have proved that they can step into the ring with any of the heavyweights 
any of the heavyweights and win. So it's a good spot. Uh, this is why us not winning the right to host this World Cup was actually, you know, kind of important in the end. But um, that's an entirely different kettle of fish, an entirely different set of rugby politics that maybe we won't get into this morning, Matt. Well, we can we can thank our Celtic cousins for all that. So let's repay the favour for the next 10 years and come down to the bottom of a ruck. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, good stuff. Thanks a million. See you guys. Good to talk to you. Cheers. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.